I'm David Colosi, and welcome to another episode of The Napping Wizard Sessions. So this is a show about mumbling and other vocalizations. It's a collection of songs where musicians, instrumentalists in particular, engage in a verbal exchange with their instruments. Some mumble or hum along with the melody, and some transcribe poems to melodies and leave out the words. Some start with found recordings and mimic the melody of the spoken word. And some start with the melody and add words to mimic it. And others, well, they speak directly into the mouthpiece as a substitute for a microphone. A lot of musicians do this, and you probably think of more as you listen. But these are the ones that inspired me to make some recordings that I ended up calling poems to be read through a saxophone. I was an artist on Governor's Island in New York City, and I'd been teaching myself how to play. I've been a poet for a long time, and I came up with this idea to merge the two. So I'll play a few of those later, but for now I'm going to play some music. I'll play the songs in their entirety, so this is really a music show and less a strict analysis. So sit back and enjoy the tunes, and I'll fill in the blanks to show why I've assembled them. I'm mostly going to focus on jazz, but it happens in all genres. While you're listening, feel free to talk to yourself, mumble, or harmonize along. Start with Oscar Peterson, who, among many piano players, hummed when he played. He's not the easiest one to hear, but if you listen enough, you start to hear a low rumble and grumble in the background. Though not the most perceptive example, I'm starting with Peterson because I'm most familiar with him. My father played him all the time when I was a kid, both the records and on the piano. So I'm just going to pick an example. This is I've Never Been in Love Before from 1961, from the Verve recording the trio live at the London House in Chicago with Ray Brown on bass and Ed Thigpen on drums. It's pretty subtle, but you can hear Peterson vocalizing throughout. And I won't deny that at times it sounds like club noise, background voices, drinking and dining, but the grumbling sounds you hear in this recording are similar to those you hear in studio recordings throughout most of Peterson's music. It's just something you have to listen for and get used to. As I continue with the show, these will get more pronounced as we go, but for this one, I suggest wearing headphones.
listen to Oscar Peterson, I'm sure you'll hear it more. You won't be able to unhear it once you hear it. So Errol Garner is another piano player who does this. Here's a song called Red Top from Concert by the Sea in 1955. It's Errol Garner on piano with Keith Eddie Calhoun on bass and Denzel Best on drums. And Errol pretty much mumbles all the way through, so you shouldn't have too much trouble hearing it. Thank you. 
Keith Jarrett is probably the most well-known piano mumbler. This song, You, the Night, and the Music, from Live at the Deerhead Inn from 1994, is a fine example. There's so many to choose from, it'll do. So he's a little more high-pitched than Peterson and Garner, but you can hear it. And sometimes these vocalizations are easier to hear in live recordings because in the studio they can maybe edit them out. This is Keith Jarrett on piano, Gary Peacock on bass, and Paul Motion on drums.
And it's not just piano players who do this. Throughout the show, I'll be featuring different instrumentalists. Band leader and vibraphonist Lionel Hampton was no stranger to clearing his throat while striking his middle keys. Here he is on the vibes with his quintet from 1954. Buddy DeFranco on clarinet, Buddy Rich on drums, and go figure, Oscar Peterson on piano and Ray Brown on double bass. You'll have no trouble hearing Hampton on this rendition of Don't Be That Way.
And if you've got this Lionel Hampton record out, have a listen to Oscar Peterson's vocalizations on his solo on It's Only a Paper Moon. Charles Mingus, composer, multi-instrumentalist, and bass player, gets in on the action too. In this song, hog callin' blues, the moans, grunts, and sometimes words actually add to the composition. And the other songs I've played so far, they're kind of in the background where you wonder if something was happening behind the recording. With Mingus, I wouldn't go so far as to call these vocalizations scat, but maybe it's between scat and these mumbly improvisations I'm talking about. Mingus is playing piano in the song, and he's the primary vocalizer. Rassan Roland Kirk, who we'll get to later, is on flute, siren, tenor sax, manzello, and stritch. Booker Irvin is also on tenor sax, Jimmy Nepper on trombone, Doug Watkins on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums. This is Hog Callin' Blues. Thank you. 
Okay, so you get a sense of the mumbling. This kind of thing happens a lot. There's a lot of musicians you could hear doing this. But now I'm going to focus on a little something different. Black Elk Speaks appears on the Branford Marcellus Quartet recording Bragtown from 2006. The song, attributed to bassist Eric Revis, is an instrumental jazz piece with a progression of solos. Revis's solo occurs late in the piece, after Joey Calderazzo's piano solo and Jeff Twain Watts' drum sequence, between minutes 11.15 and 13.30. As Revis begins, you can hear him humming, grumbling, and moaning, and then suddenly he growls out the line, It's a beautiful day to die. The line, which he utters twice, is not a lyric, nor is it a mimic of his playing. It appears seemingly spontaneously, born from the moment of improvisation, which it seems like a lot of these vocalizations come from. But whether it was spontaneous or not is beside the point. It adds to the piece a link to the title. It is the only speaking part in a song titled Black Elk Speaks, so it gives this otherwise driving instrumental track a narrative component. Not only does Revis speak to his own playing, he also speaks as Black Elk. His words open a new dimension, rewinding the tune back to its beginning and title. It would be interesting to know if the title followed the recording and came from this utterance, or if some sort of prior decision was made that the tune would contain a vocal line, even if it wasn't predetermined. Thank <laughs> you. 
conducted on or around July 27, 1965, at the Antibes Jazz Festival, Michel Delorme asked John Coltrane about the relationship between poetry and his playing with the recording of Psalm, the last piece of the Love Supreme Suite. The poem is included in the liner notes, and when overlaid on the song, the cadence parallels the musical melody. When asked if he had written other poems and worked from words to melody elsewhere, Coltrane responded that he had for the Crescent album, namely on Wise One, Lonnie's Lament, and The Drum Thing. Personally, I'd like to hear the one on Lonnie's Lament, but none of these poems, to my knowledge, have been found or made public. So I learned later that he used a similar technique on his performance of Alabama on the Live at Birdland release from October 8, 1963. On that one, he used Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech after the 16th Street Baptist Church bombings in Birmingham, which occurred on September 15th of that year, Later, BAM magazine published the transcript of a panel discussion on the 50th anniversary of Love Supreme as part of the San Francisco Jazz Festival, which took place on December 10, 2014. Participants included literary legend Ishmael Reed, saxophonist Joshua Redman, Ashley Kahn, author of Love Supreme, the story of John Coltrane's signature album, and moderator Randall Klein. Reed, who along with being a poet, fiction writer, playwright, cultural critic, and piano player himself, also taught poetry for 35 years. He said he would have given Coltrane an F for the poem. Reed said, I'm glad Coltrane was a superior musician because the poem is pretty hokey. So I'm going to play Psalm first, but without the words. You'll have to find a copy of it online or in the liner notes and follow along. But then I'm going to play an excerpt of Alabama with the Martin Luther King Jr. speech so you can get a better sense of what's happening.
defending innocent and beautiful. Were the victims of one of the most vicious and tragic crimes ever perpetrated against humanity. The death of these little children may lead our whole Southland from the low road of man's inhumanity to man to the high road of peace and brotherhood. not die in vain. God still has a way of wringing good out of evil. Good night, sweet princesses. Good night, those who symbolize a new day. May the flight of angels Take thee to thy eternal rest. God bless you. So for something similar but not all that different and returning to the piano, Jason Moran's 2003 release, The Bandwagon Live, contains two tracks where Moran and his trio, Taurus Martin on bass and Nasheet Waits drums, mimic found audio pieces. Ringing My Phone, straight out of Istanbul, derives its melody by mimicking a sampled phone conversation between Moran's hostess in Istanbul and her mother speaking Turkish. The melody of Infospace mimics a Bloomberg television report spoken by a woman in Mandarin discussing the stock named Infospace. In both tunes, Moran and his trio do what Coltrane was doing, but when Moran's trio plays live, they play the recording too. In Moran's In the Studio episode, produced by the Kennedy Center, he discusses the relationship between vernacular and song and connects his Texan roots and speech patterns to his playing style.
Tamam peki. Ben cebini açıp bırak ben seni ararım.
Everyone always says, give the drummer some. Well, there's a drummer named David Dockery who has a YouTube channel with many examples of him playing drums to the pattern and cadence of dialogue in film and TV shows. The clip I'm going to play is from the animated TV show King of the Hill, where Dockery plays along with the character Boomhauer's already mumbled speech patterns. And because these are so short, I'm also going to play the one where he mimics Jack Black's character in School of Rock. I'll tell you what you do, you just take them dang old spark plugs out in that little hole, you just put a little hole around there, just like Bobby and Seth, just like it go boom, boom, just like that. I've been calling y'all people better than a month now, cry about y'all every time that dang old dog crossed these stars, you the jaw 24 hours a day, and nobody answered you. Called, how you supposed to come out to do anything about that dog if you're just gonna get a dang old computer, ain't gonna come over here and just shut that dang old dog up. Sir, do you know anything about this? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, dude, one of them snap punks last night, man, with them sticks in the bag, and quack, quack, man, if he'd go, woo, woo, talking about that big mistake, y'all, right there in that cooler. Oh, wait, man, I did, it ain't gonna work out, man, these little gals come around here, they get that flat-ass nose, man. Thanks, Boomhauer, let's go. Say, Hank, man, I, I don't know what you're thinking, man, but y'all's got to know, man, I ain't no dang old Woody Allen with that little soon leave, man, this is nothing going to happen. Boomhauer, you're not going to talk your way out of this one. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old internet, man, you just go on there and point and click, get in there talk about www.wcom, and you got that naked chicks on there, man, you just go click, 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 it's real easy, man. What, you want to learn something? Yes, I do. What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right, here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, he's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins. She's the man. And the man ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too. waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome because the man's just going to call you a fat washed up loser and crush your soul so do yourselves a favor and just give up well those are pretty fun so there's another guy a brazilian drummer named philippe continentino who also has a youtube channel and transcribes film dialogue to the drums here he plays the dialogue between tom cruise and jack nicholson in the film a few good men that question i'll answer the question you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't 
Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. So just as Ishmael Reed called Coltrane's poem Psalm Hokey, I could say the same for this next poem. Farrah Sanders, who I absolutely love, his 1981 release titled Rejoice includes a tribute to Coltrane. The piece is a reworking of Coltrane's Moments Notice, with the saxophone playing true to Coltrane's, but Sanders' recording includes lyrics and vocalization from George V. Johnson Jr. This is an example of the reverse approach to which Coltrane and Moran took. Rather than basing the melody on a poem, Johnson bases the lyrics off of Coltrane's melody, this time with the words doing the mimicking. The content of the lyrics is an homage to Coltrane. Fortunately, both Sanders and Johnson are also superior musicians. Yes, I will melt us off a warm. You'll feel his spirit hum along. John Coltrane played love and magic. Listen to the message of a song. John Coltrane, glad you came along. Sounds he lives forevermore. Trains play love and magic melodies so clear the muse will groove you. Relax, dig the sounds of Coltrane's music. Coltrane fills your heart with love and harmony. Trains play love and magic. Listen to the melodies, and you will see
to get back to mumbling. Throughout all of the recordings that Rassan Roland Kirk left behind for us to listen to, learn from, and sit back in awe of, Kirk is always vocalizing into his flute, saxophone, stretch, monzello, nose flute, and everything else he's got stuffed in his mouth and his nose at the same time. Oftentimes it's moans and groans and hums, but occasionally it's words and lyrics too. Many notable examples include Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone, My Girl, and Which Way Is It Going, all from blackness. Business Ain't Nothing But the Blues for My Talk with Spirits, and his live version of Three for the Festival from Volunteered Slavery. All of these are fine examples, but if I'm forced to choose one, I'm going to go with Which Way Is It Going as a transition to the Anthony Braxton song that follows it. Words may not be identified in Kirk's playing, but his attack is vocal. Jethro Tull flute player Ian Anderson adapted this technique from listening to Roland Kirk. Here's Which Way Is It Going from 1972. Hey, 
Anthony Braxton gave us an encyclopedia of vocabulary for solo saxophone. His recordings for alto and saxophone series F explore the various voicings, providing a textbook for future players and self-learners like myself. The best example in my collection of Braxton vocalizing through the horn appears on his solo New York City 2002 recording. The number 312 series progressively builds in this regard, and number 312E in particular sounds distinctly like he's speaking into the saxophone. <laughs> Yes. 
So that's the show for the most part, just an introduction to cross vocalizations with instruments. If you thought of others while you were listening, well, send me a comment or email about songs that you might add to the list. As I promised in the beginning, I'm going to include some of my poems to be read through a saxophone, just because that's how this whole thing got started for me. And maybe, like Ishmael Reed said about Coltrane's poem Psalm, well, he'd probably give my saxophone playing an F, and maybe the poems too, but... Uh, here they are. Thanks for listening. Oh, no, no, no. 
He talked with his hands as if to say his words were important.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Napping Wizard Sessions. This is David Colosi. Stay tuned for something else.